Welcome to the MediaCasters with your business besties, Karina Belizzi and Julie Loken. In every episode, you'll get behind-the-scenes access to experts who share their struggles and successes in podcasting, publishing, and presenting. So grab a pen, grab your bestie, and kick it with Karina and Jules. Wow. Well, we're here. This day has been coming for a while. I've uh, <laughs> had to move mountains to get both you and me on this particular call oh on a Saturday with someone I immensely just love and respect in the world of podcasting. So Jules, I'm going to introduce you today to the infamous Liza Miller of Motorcycles and Misfits. Well, oh my she's gosh. A she's emblazoning. I'm a misfit too. <laughs> We're podcasting misfits for sure. Oh, but... that is, that's a good idea. Yes, we are. <laughs> So I, I want to tell you a little bit about her before I bring her up to stage, but um, her name is Liza Miller. I've known her for at least 15 years because we met before I married my husband and I think we've been married Holy 16 cow. years this summer. Anywho, she's nuts for everything related to motorcycles and in what I think is one of those healthy obsession ways. So I think you're going to love that. We'll find um, out. We're going to find out. Yeah. Healthy? Yeah. Healthy, unhealthy. I think it's healthy, but she runs this um, motorcycle garage in Santa Cruz, which wow. has become a co-op. And it's like this space for people to come to get advice about riding safely, get the gear that they need, work on their motorcycles, just really collaborate and have a healthy community around all things motorcycling. Mm. And they're really indiscriminate about what type of rider you might be, whether you like scooters or, you know, something more. And if you are into Harleys or sports bikes, and so that kind of agnostic love for just all things two wheels, which I just have immense respect for. I'm, you know, somebody personally who, I mean, I've raced cars on tracks and I'm a car junkie. One of my favorite podcasts or radio shows ever is Car Talk. And so I think <laughs> introducing myself to Liza's show has felt a little bit like coming kind home. of stepping through that memory door into the mm -hmm. days when every Sunday I would listen to Car Talk myself and with my dad. And I just, I really love it, even though I'm not a motorcycle girl. <laughs> wow. So I love that. I will say without further ado, we're going to bring Liza up and we're going to hear from her about all things podcasting since 2013. She's been doing this. Let's rev those motors. Let's rev those motors. There she is. Hey, everyone. The one and only. Woo. Hey, Karina, you nailed that intro, by the way. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about it for a while. We had to <laughs> delay this a couple weeks. I, I got COVID <laughs> going to a conference, among other things. And um, the chaos of our lives. Jules is in um, the Chicago area and she mm -hmm. has four boys and they're all home for summer. Oh, so yeah. if yeah. we hear the rowdy introductions or interjections now and then, that's what it is beyond the birds chirping and, and all the beautiful weather that she's having right now. Yes. I love that. But the one thing you did not tell her, and I don't even know if Karina knows this, is that we have a heart, we have a, two motorcycles in our garage right now. A Harley Road King. And I don't know what the other one is, but I was going to run down. What and color look. is it? It's like maroon and it has the uh, handlebars like this, the, the upper handlebars, you know? Yeah. What do they a call those? Ape hangers. Ape, ape hangers. That's right. I was going to say monkey bars. I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> I'm just oh, a passenger, yeah. though, on the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had yeah. one for a while, but, you know, you're braver than it wasn't me. My I, thing. I can't ride on the back. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've been kind of relegated to just staying at home with the kids now because I, I'm always on the back screaming, slow down, slow down. You're going too fast. So I'm a fun, I'm, I'm a fun one. A well, fun one. I always like to say when I take a passenger on, I want to earn their trust. And I say, if I'm going too, too fast, just tap me twice on the shoulder. And if I'm going too slow and you want me to go faster, just tap me twice on the shoulder. <laughs> so Liza, yeah, you're, you're a ride or die podcaster. I guess so. Die. Yeah. I've been doing it a long time. And when I was talking to Karina earlier, I said, I want to ask her, has she gotten bored of podcasting almost 500 episodes? And how do you keep it fresh? That amazes me myself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I have fun doing it and I am always able to come up with new stuff, but more so I don't record it by myself. I have a whole crew with me. Um, in fact, it's been referred to as a constantly rotating cast of characters. Uh, the studio I'm in right now is set up with 12 mics and 12 chairs. Wow. Um, so we have, I mean, a group of people that come in. And so it's always been a different, um, you know, it rotates and you get different energy, different stories coming in. And that makes it easier because everyone's got a story to tell from the you know, very experienced writer who has a lot of information to hand down to the brand new writer who wants to share like all like the fears and anxiety that they're pushing through in, in, in learning. So everyone's got a story and it's just getting those stories out of them, you know? Well, and I think that you do a few things really creatively that I have just been really entertained by personally. So this is something that happened, I think, this spring. You ran a contest yeah. at the Recycle Garage where people, it was whoever was on their motorcycle, the last man on the motorcycle would mm -hmm. win a $1,000 cash prize. Yeah, called the Numb Nuts Challenge. Because <laughs> you got to be a numb nut to do that. And you might get numb nuts, right? <laughs> you might get numb nuts. I knew Karina was going to say that. Like, I'm, I'm just waiting for her to say that. But literally, I mean, it was entertaining and she just kept giving updates on social. But this is just one of the, I think, genius ways that you've connected with your community. And we had a burlesque show in the parking lot. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, we hired a burlesque crew to come. And uh, yeah, just, just did bur parking lot burlesque should be a thing. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fire dancing, <laughs> among other things, right? Wow. wow. Yeah, it was pretty fun. That's amazing. And what what comes to me first and foremost is that you're doing everything you love to do. Yeah. You you are not living a life that is beige. No. No, multicolored just like all the toys I'm surrounded by. I am seeing that. It's fascinating. Yeah, these go um around wow. the room. Wait, what? It's it's four walls of Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. she's So those who are listening, she's got shelves behind her and encircling the garage that have all sorts of motorcycle, um, small well, motorcycle figures. And stuff not like in the garage. I'm in my studio. We oh, updated. Studio. We used to record in the garage for you're, many years. You're a girl who loves toys. I'm just saying. Yeah. All these toys. mics, all yeah, these so motorcycles. That was its own, own thing is we used to, so I run the 
recycle garage. It's a co-op garage space. And every Sunday people come over and work on bikes. And then by the end of the day, we'd put all the tools away and we'd unpack all the sound equipment and set it up in the garage. And I had up to 16 people sitting in the garage mic'd wow. up. And then we'd have to put it all back at the end of the night. Uh, so finally, after many years, I got um, a space uh, that was vacated uh, that my dad was using for his toy trains, which is why this room is, is full of shelves. And I was able to put the studio in here and all my toys as well. So now we can leave all the equipment set up. But yeah, That's for awesome. many years, that was a lot of work setting up and breaking down all the equipment. Well, even just taking one microphone with my little Zoom Pod Track P4, yeah. which is, I know you have a whole mixing board, but I've seen the pictures of that and everything. Oh, yeah. But I've not been to your studio. Soundboard. Yeah. Yep. That's, you know, a lot more than a roadcaster. That's more like what I used when I was in college doing technical directing and audio work. But like, uh, I mean, you've got the whole setup. And when you go to pack down a single microphone, an external recording device, maybe a boom arm, that's enough work in itself. Now you're talking about doing that time 17. And that's just. We're talking about um, mic stands, mics, pop filters, headphones, all cabled yeah. up all around the garage from the soundboard. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a lot. Well, I commend you for doing it as long as you did the way you did. I mean, I think there's something to that authenticity of recording in your garage that probably captured the imaginations of your audience as well. Yeah. But now we have the studio and I was able to make it, uh, if I'll show you there, if I soundproof the ceiling and mm -hmm. then actually all these shelves full of toy motorcycles act as soundproofing. Uh, to get better sound, because that's something that's always been important to me is good sound quality. And yeah. in fact, I started out uh, in a past life. I used to be a live sound engineer for music. Hmm. So that's why when we started doing this podcast, I'm like, well, I know how to do sound. And that's why I have uh, analog soundboard and equipment, because that's what I know. That's what I trust. And so I, I was able to. Um, yeah, wire everything up and, and run a board rather than, uh, I, you know, I just don't like the sound as much of the like USB digital mics. Mm -hmm. If you're just doing one, that's great. But when you have a room full of people, yeah, uh, I want to have more control. And, I, and again, um, I have a sound engineer's, you know, ear. So I hear everything. And so um, I wanted to have good sound. I thought that that was very important. Yeah. Well, even just spending a little bit of time in college and that world also lended that to me. So I have sound paneling all over here. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm in the same room with our server, which makes this room have a constant kind of a little bit of a buzz because of the fans that are on the server, I've managed to reduce that to almost nothing and then can correct a lot of the rest in post. But I even put uh, the green screen I have here is two layer. And because it's two layer, it actually um, it makes a room smaller. And so everything just sounds warmer, curtains, all those little things that you can do to make the room softer. And um, that's something I'm passionate about, too. But the microphone helped, too, when I switched to shore from the last iteration. <laughs> well, yeah. I must drive you well, crazy with my the birds chirping, the windows open open. No sound paneling. Uh, you don't drive me crazy, but um, 
for for me personally mm-hmm. in my show and as much as i can control i want to mm-hmm. have good sound mm-hmm. yeah i think that I th- again i think that that is important and sets mm-hmm. yourself uh, apart one of the things that drives me crazy is when you get a lot of podcasts where they just have the room mic and they're talking in a room like and they'll do it in their kitchen or something and it's mm-hmm. got all this ambient sound and and reverberation mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a hollow sound to me mm-hmm. um yeah that I don't like because like you can, you're not making a m- much effort, you know? Yeah. You're it just sounds a, like you're in a tin can. It, yeah. And you don't have to have expensive mics. Um, the mic that I'm on right now, um, I think these are like, I don't know, 50 bucks, 40 bucks. They're not expensive. The point is you don't have to spend a lot of money if you spend the time and control the environment and your, your mic technique. Learning the craft. That's the critical point. Yeah. 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 Well, very good. So I'd like to get into talking a little bit about your Um, co-hosts. I I call them co-hosts because they're the most constant that I hear, which is probably Miss Emma and the bagel Mm -hmm. or bageler. You call them bagel and bageler. And I used to have another friend who had that nickname. So I was like, it's not him. It can't be him. It's not. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's bagel. uh, and, And we call him the bageler. (laughs) <laughs> we get everyone gets most everyone gets nicknames here stumpy john naked jim award-winning <laughs> mike but that's how because we have oh, so I many people that. coming through it helps everyone know which <laughs> one it is well how did you choose them how did you end up working so much with uh, miss emma as for example well emma we stole her um we found her when we were doing a, a field trip as we do sometimes we go and explore and she was uh, working at a motorcycle museum down in Monterey and we came in like a storm just you know we're having fun got to know her and said hey well you know you come up and join us sometime mm-hmm. and she did and and then ended up loving it and staying and then we stole her from the museum so now she comes <laughs> up every sunday she's actually a master mechanic as well yeah. with her own mechanic shop she does wow. for a living through the week, fixing people's bikes, and then on Sundays comes and donates her time to help people fix their motorcycles. And her depth of knowledge is extreme. Incredible. It's just incredible. incredible. So she's yeah. a great asset. But she comes because she loves it and, and is another perfect example of what the misfits are. And we're all inclusive. It doesn't matter how old you are, where you're from. I mean, and there, nothing matters. Your love for motorcycles is it. That's yeah. It. That's the common thread. And we have people, I mean, Emma's, uh, let's just say she's a few, she's a few years older than me and I'm in my fifties. We got people in their forties, thirties, twenties. And then sometimes we have teenagers hanging out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I'll say is I've been really impressed with her depth of knowledge. And yeah. again, like having that, when she goes on her rants about, you know, existing technologies and different motorcycles, or when you're getting deep into what the differences are between one bike and another or one technology or another, I feel like I'm back in that, you know, like we're in this coffee shop culture of just sitting there and, and shooting the breeze about everything mechanical that isn't even in the cars that I might love. So I found myself resonating with that, even though I'm not a motorcycle chick. I mean, I tried for a little bit. I had a bandit 400, which I promptly crashed and, you know, 
wanted to get back on, but the clutch handle was broken off, and so was one of the pegs, and I, I couldn't literally ride it home at my current skill level. So Matt got on that beast and like was able to pull, pull the yeah. clutch and do the whole thing to get home. Um, but yeah, it's it ended rather abruptly that day because it took a long time to fix, and by the time it was fixed. I had just said, you know, maybe it's just a horse thing. I'm into horses and I'll stick with that. Yeah, it's not not for everyone. All these different connections you're making and the growth of your podcast, I'm quite certain it has to do with this community you're building around you. Um, I mean, it, it, it comes and because from you're a lot awesome. of It and comes from a awesome. lot of different things. Um, consistency and quality. Mm -hmm. or are very important. I, it's been very important to me to put out a show every week. I think we've missed it twice, twice. There were, I think there were two times for whatever reason I was traveling or whatever reason I just couldn't do it and I hadn't banked one. So consistency, I think is very mm -hmm. important. Um, I said quality and having good sound. I remember when we started doing it, the first one was just a single mic sitting in between three of us talking and nobody knew what we were doing. And there's people walking around us and slamming drawers as they're getting tools out. And we were just, you know, trying it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, you know what? I think by episode 10, we'll have this whole thing figured out. <laughs> I remember listening to that first episode. And I think you you weren't even sure what you were calling it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we hadn't even, didn't even have our name straight. I was like, is this misfits and motorcycles? What are we? <laughs> yeah, motorcycles and mechanics. We're trying it yeah. all out. I mean, yeah. it was literally um, the, the way the podcast came out is um, so we sit around the garage and we tell stories and we we talk about stuff and theorize and and, and talk about history and just um, we just, you know, sit around shoot shit. It's a very um, um, community you know, community. And I said, it would be really cool if we could bottle this and share it with the world, these kind of conversations we're having. And that's when it was like, oh, we can. We can do a podcast. So we just started doing it just for ourselves, just for our own enjoyment and putting it out there. And I kept kind of getting more and more equipment and, you know, oh, we're going to need more than one mic. So I bought a little four channel mixer and four mics, you know, and then more people started going, oh, what are you guys doing in here? And they wanted to join us. And I had bought another four-channel mixer, and I just ran them in tandem. <laughs> so now I had seven channels. And then so more and more people were getting interested in wanting to come. And I bought another bigger mixer. I mean, it just kind of – and more mic stands and more more stuff and more headphones, headphone splitters so everyone can have different controls. I just kept investing in more and more equipment um, to get better and better sound. Yeah. Well, and that just makes the editing that much more complicated. How much time do you actually spend in editing? Because I understand you still edit your own shows. Yeah. You're not going to like my answer. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to love it. No. So uh, I believe in, in, getting the sound um, as good as you can uh, here in the studio so that um, when I go and edit, it's it's pretty quick. Uh, two weeks ago, we recorded the podcast and I had one hour to get it edited, posted, and eat my dinner before I had to drive to the airport and catch a flight. And I got there early. 
Wow. Yeah, I've got it so streamlined now, the process, that I can do it very, very quickly. See, so I love that answer because we'll be like that one day. <laughs> she said, well, I mean, she's essentially said that she's optimized everything to the point where it doesn't require that much. Mm -hmm. And so it's not taking her all that much time. She's not going through like some maniac like me and, you know, <laughs> taking each of the little sections and going, oh, well, there was a little background noise here. I might be able to eliminate or whatever and just take it off of somebody's. So feet. I do, I do that. Mm -hmm. I do some editing, but I'm doing it as we're recording and talking. I hear something or I make a note to myself, like I need to change that. Or there are a lot of times there may be um, a technical error, you know, and then I write down, I look over at the soundboard um, and I write down the time mm. so that I have this list Brilliant. of times. And then when I go sit down, I don't have to listen to the whole thing because I've been making notes as I'm hearing everything we're doing. And mm -hmm. I go in there and I edit or remove or, Pump, That's you know, so pump smart. In the sound I, effect, I need whatever. to start doing that myself. So, well, most people can't. Most people can't listen and participate at the same time. But this is something that, because I was a sound engineer and I got my ear trained, I can do that. I'm listening and participating and running the conversation, and I'm doing that with my little notepad. So I'm running it very loosely. But that's the trick is being able to listen and then write down those times and go back and immediately do that. Great. Let's talk about your show format for a minute mm -hmm. because yours is different than many out there, namely in that it's, it's long. It tends to go a little long. And I think when you and I talked about this offline, you had said something like it takes you the first 19 minutes. Uh, first half hour to get the conversation going, the next 60 to really dig into a subject. And then you have to spend the next half hour to an hour kind of winding it down or something pumping, like Pumping that. the brakes. <laughs> oh my God. I that. So that most of your episodes are close to two hours. Some are mm -hmm. even three. Some have been close to four. Um, so I think. No, we haven't gone that long. You haven't gone that long? Okay. No, I mean, two, two is the target. Uh, and when I'm not here and I'll let some of the other people run it, they're like, hour sounds good. <laughs> um, no, two hours just cause we have so much to talk about. I usually, so I, in my head, I have it in segments and mm -hmm. that's what that list I was showing you, even though it just looks like a bunch of things scribbled down in my mind, I know I'm doing like, all right, the first, first 15 minutes, I wanted to talk about what we're working on in the garage. <clears throat> then I'm going to run and then I might have my ad and then I might do, let's do uh, a game and then that'll last for probably 10, 15 minutes. And then we're going to do a half hour with the guests talking about whatever. Then, you know, I, I kind of in my head have it in 15 minute chunks and know what I want to do. But, you know, sometimes you don't know uh, when you have people on, you don't know if they're good storytellers or not. Right. Or even when it's just us sitting around the room, I'm the only one who does any prep. Everyone else just shows up. And um, Emma gladly can talk about anything at length as if she just studied it, but she just knows everything. Um, but you just, you never know how long a conversation or topic might go. So I actually have extra topics written down so that, 
if it, I'm coming up short, then I can like add in some, hey, did you see in the news about this new thing? Or what do you think about this? Uh, on the same token, sometimes I'm cutting stuff on the fly. If something is going long, then I just am crossing it out and making it, oh, we'll talk about that another time. So um, I don't know ahead of time exactly how long each conversation or each thing will go, but I have a goal and I'm able to cut or add on the fly. So you would describe it as kind of a loose framework. It sounds like, I think you've got your basic structure laid out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the, the frightening thing is there are times that I don't know what we're going to do 30 minutes before we're going to start recording. <laughs> there, there are sometimes I've done a lot of prep, book somebody weeks in advance, done the research. And then there are times where I'm like, oh, okay, we're, we're recording 30 minutes. I got to figure this out. And are you I'll ever just... like, who's my guest? I have no idea who my guest is this week. No, I'm the only okay. one who books guests. So I okay. always know who guests are and I am always prepared for guests. I think that that is disrespectful to mm -hmm. not be prepared mm -hmm. uh, for who your guest is. So mm -hmm. I always do that. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I think it's important to know who you're talking to. Yeah. To talk about. <laughs> it, but in fact, um, I just booked a guest next month and it's somebody that I don't know anything about. And they are an author with a book. And uh, I don't like to read. Hmm. So I was like, how do I, how do I do this? But there's um, a listener of our show who's a frequent um guest. He, he, he joins us all the time. I said, tell you what, this is your chance to be a misfit and you get to interview them because oh, cool. you read the book. Smart. And so this is your chance to step up and lead that segment of the interview. And that's the thing. Anyone it, he, who comes into this room can take that role. They can offer up an idea or run a, an interview. It's not my show. It's our show. I just kind of produce it and give it the structure and the, the support and the backbone. Mm -hmm. Well, in a recent episode, you had the bageler give <laughs> bagel. uh, the 10 reasons that a scooter is better than a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I think I've heard a few where he's done similar things earlier on in your podcasting um, journey here. So, I mean, even that segment was really interesting because you got to showcase, for instance, um, Miss Emma's deep knowledge of everything motorcycles. And, yeah. and it was just a really fun interchange because there is so much kind of inborn rivalry in some cases between the scooter world and the motorcycle world. Yeah. I and thought, that's another thing uh, as uh, for us being all inclusive and we have a scooterist, you know, on our, on our crew. And so I always like to give him some platforms to show off and, and highlight. And it's, it's not always warmly accepted in the motorcycle community, which I love controversy. So I just kind of try and drive it home, you know, <laughs> the controversy comes scooting in on a Vespa and everyone's up in arms. Oh, he's a hardcore scooterist. Like, wow. Like, I didn't know there was such a thing. Oh yeah. Like he's ridden he does from, distance rides too, right? Oh, yeah, like, he, he, wow. So he entered to do a cannonball run from Alaska down to New Orleans. It was all scooterists. But he had to ride from here to Alaska nonstop to start. On a scooter. On a scooter. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's talk for a minute about what you do when you go on location. Mm -hmm. I know you just got back from AmeriCade and you obviously brought equipment there because I think you just showcased an interview that you did at AmeriCade with somebody that was physically there. What do you bring? I'm trying to look at it. What is this tech? It looks like it's a, is that a Zoom product? Yeah, it is. It's not the PodTrack P4. It's, is it the, which is it? H6. H6. Okay. So yeah, the Zoom H6 is a recording studio, portable recording studio. It's really great. Perfect. That's really nice. We're looking at levels, ladies and gentlemen. See, she allowed me to geek out here for a minute. Jules is going to pull me right back in now. I do. Every time Karina (laughs) starts talking about tech, I'm like, I, my mind just goes blank. I trust Karina to be my guiding beacon for all things technical. And you've been just doing this for so long, you know, everything there is to know. I mean, you don't know everything, but I think a lot of people are interested in understanding because I did hear you say that you are reading ads. How are you monetizing this? Like this bad Larry, how are you doing it? So, uh, how do I monetize my show? Well, first of all, um, the reason that we do the podcast is to share our passion for motorcycles. It has never been the goal or objective to make money. This is just expanding our community um, globally. And we have misfits all over the world. And we've created a thing where people feel like they're sitting in the room with us as part of the conversation. I love that so much. That said, because we have grown, um, we do get advertisers that come to us. I've never pursued them. But they do reach out and um, I have even turned some down, like, you know, like uh, online casino. I'm like, it doesn't jive. I'm not doing it for the money. If it is a product that I, um, that I respect, appreciate, use, love, I'll do it. But advertising has not been um, the the main objective or income. Mm -hmm. Uh, Patreon has been that for me. Mm -hmm. And so we have a Patreon subscribers who give monthly and that's been great. And again, I know a lot of people who expected it to, I mean, with anything getting into podcasting, they expect to get listeners right away. It doesn't happen like that. Drop your expectations. It's not going to happen. I know people who've not gotten past 300 listeners in in years and years and years of doing it. And they still do it because they're doing it for themselves. So the first thing is do it for yourself, not for listeners, if you truly come from a place that you're you're passionate about something, be it knitting or kittens or whatever, then other people who share that passion will enjoy it too. That's right. I encountered a podcast called um, the Pez Dispenser Podcast, which is all about Pez dispensers and yeah. people who collect them. She spoke at She Podcast Live about her community, and it was something that she was passionate about and the listeners are crazy for her. So there's, I had no idea, but there's apparently Pez conferences where people come together with all their collectible Pez items and connect, but it's that same sort of thing. You're building a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So doing it for that. um, And then through Patreon, again, not expecting anything when we started, yeah, we're going to do a Patreon if people want to donate Mm -hmm. to us. I'm like, Hey, if we can buy some paper towels for the garage each month, like, that's great, you know? Mm-hmm. And slowly, slowly, it started building and more and more people um, come on there. And I'll be honest, I'm not good at, at, I don't create a lot of content for it. I'm not, I'm not that good at 
really um, utilizing it. But what I do is I trust my patrons. And I, mm -hmm. I say that because what I started doing is if you give $5 a month, I'll send you a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. Now that I sell that t-shirt for 25 bucks, right? <clears throat> uh, it doesn't cost me 25 bucks, but still, um, a lot of people say, you know, um, once after a year, we'll give you a t-shirt. You know, once you've given us $60, we'll give you a $25 t-shirt. No, I say sign up now, give me $5 the first month. I will send you a t-shirt and I will trust that you're not going to then just delete your account mm -hmm. and get a t-shirt for five bucks. One person ever did that. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so right up front, I do that. And it's now gotten every year when it's the beginning of the year, usually I do it in the spring. I'm spending a couple months of my Patreon income just to pay for the t-shirts and the shipping that I, to send out the t-shirts, but it has paid off so much because so many people have signed up, I think because of that, because, mm -hmm. um, I, it's a good, it's a good reward, you know? Well, and I saw on your site, it's pretty transparent. You can see how many patrons you have, how much money you're getting on a monthly revolving basis. It's not like you're, you know, able to supplant your day job income by any means, but it helps you really keep all the gear that you might need, keep motivated to keep strolling along. And then also you're, you're just engaging with this community in a different way. You're giving them something of the garage and you've even commented on your show that you're running into them at events and they're wearing your t-shirt, which is just yeah. incredible. Then you identify automatically. This is one of my misfits. You can meet them in person. You can have a real conversation with them. Yeah. I love that. I just think it's important you're, that you're keeping it real, that you're staying connected to your community with love and celebrating this world of motorcycles through the podcast. It's just stayed so true to its intention in the beginning that I mean, Liza, I'm proud of you. You've done amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And, and there's a never ending flow of guests and topics. Mm -hmm. it, there really isn't when you love something so much and deep dive into it and, but are also so inclusive because there's so many podcasts that just in the motorcycle world talk about, okay, there are racing podcasts or there mm -hmm. are motocross podcasts or they're a long distance rider podcast or they're a BMW podcast. Mm -hmm. So ours is like, everything, everything goes. So we're able to really get into like the one thing I haven't gotten into, I want to talk about ice, um, ice racing, you oh know, like there's so many different weird little factions, you know, you know, one of the things I was hoping we could do is really just talk about the tips that you would give to someone who's starting out in podcasting or somebody who's been doing it for a while, but is struggling getting the traction that they're really hoping to achieve. Like maybe they've hit that 300 listeners and aren't able to really push past that. What would you say to them about what they could do to gain a little more success? Tell us a wise one. Things that I did that helped me, um, collaborating, um, you know, go on someone else's podcast and have them on yours. Uh, or I've done this where I reached out to other podcasts and said, Hey, let's have a common topic and then we can refer to each other like part one and part two in our, our shows. And that's, uh, you know, I don't want to just like use somebody to get their listeners. I, you want, it's give and take, right? Um, I, my answer is I say yes to everything. Any, any time somebody wants me to participate in something, say yes, because every little bit 
counts. It's, it's not about getting a lot of listeners. It's getting a few listeners a lot of times. Um, I love that. Consistency, sound quality, anything you can do to improve sound quality. You don't have to have a thousand dollar mic, but you have to have good presence on the mic and, and have some, some equipment so that you can control and EQ it for that space. Um, content, just make sure you're, you're passionate about it. And, uh, that's what comes through. Also, I tell everyone, bring something different. What are you bringing to the table that someone else isn't? There's so many people starting podcasts because they think that they're, they have something to offer. They haven't listened to everyone else's. I listen to every motorcycle podcast I can. And so I can see what they're doing, how they're doing it and make sure that I'm doing something different. But it's amazing how many of them have never even heard of me. And I'm one of the top motorcycle shows in the world because they're not, they just don't come in just thinking you have something that everyone's going to love. You don't know if someone else is already doing it. So figure out what you're going to do differently. And the first way you do that is you have to listen to everybody else's shows. And uh, the last thing I always tell everyone is do it for yourself. Don't be driven by the goal of trying to get monetize it there. It, it becomes very um, see-through. There are other shows I know of that it's all ads, you know, you know, you got a motorcycle podcast, so you got to have the loud grungy music. Nah, nah, nah. Welcome to the motorcycle show. You know, don't emulate what you think people want to hear just because that's what's always been done. Be original. <laughs> well, Liza, we ask every guest <laughs> as they leave the show to say two words before they part. It's kick it. Yo, kick it. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I love it. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Media Casters. You can keep this conversation going and kick it with Karina and Jules in live office hours each week. Visit themediacasters.mn.co to sign up. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe whenever you listen. Let's kick it.